All right, so I don't know if you heard the recent news, Ari, but the employment figures came out just uh, this morning. And for the month of November 2019, there were 266,000 new jobs added to the economy, way above the estimates, I think, which were about 185,000. And uh, it's really wonderful. And even $185,000 of new jobs would be fantastic. And, you know, the first thing I thought about is, first of all, this is wonderful. It's, it's matched the lowest unemployment record in 50 years. And, and there's so much information that comes, comes from that. It's like that, you know, what, what do they say? A picture is worth a thousand words or says a thousand words, right? And I think the, 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 the employment statistics, the new jobs that we're seeing are worth thousands and thousands more words in terms of what they mean. So let's parse them out, first of all. I remember I just talked to my son about, about this, and I said, you know, it's so funny. Isn't this great? You and I wake up, we see these numbers, and we say to ourselves, wow, that's fantastic. That's really great for the economy. Good for America. You know, this is what works. And then, you, you know, the next phase, you ask, is uh, why is it so? Why is it that we're seeing so many great new jobs numbers every month? You know, I mean, almost without fail, every month, it's fantastic. And the answer to that comes pretty quickly. Uh, you know, the, the Trump administration has been very active in fighting all these regulations, you know, undoing a lot of ridiculous regulations of the past. And uh, I think they even went in and said, for every uh, new regulation that's being opposed, we get rid of two old regulations. And it turned out to be it was more like a 16 to 1 ratio where we got rid of 16 regulations for every new regulation. Great. So that cleaned up the books a lot. It made it a lot easier. Think of it like a, you know, a very messy house uh, or a garage, and you're cleaning it out. And suddenly, you can use your garage again, right? It's suddenly it's a pleasant place to be. Suddenly, you could do your woodworking shop. You can you know, do stuff in your garage that you couldn't do before. That's what happened with the economy. Now, the next thing that, that we come from this, uh, you know, part of the thousand words, as it were, is the Democrat reaction to all this. Oops. Right. <laughs> exactly. Oops. <clears throat> so the Democrats are, of course, they're going to be like, oh, crap. You know, this is not going to be good for us. And you think to yourself, well, wait a minute. Shouldn't you be happy that the economy is doing so well? Yes, I understand you don't like Trump. Big, bad orange man. Got it. But... Shouldn't you at least be happy that the economy is doing so well, right? Isn't that good? I mean, it's just as an American. Forget about everything else. Just as an American. And you know that the answer is no, they're not happy. They want it to tank. They want it to be, they want to be in their comfortable jobs, whatever they're doing, of course, making their same salary or whatever it might be, uh, holding their same position. But they want everyone else to suffer because that way they'll go to the voting booth and vote for the, you know, the other party, in this case, the Democrat Party. And you think to yourself, what a shame that they would want a disaster. Now, they might very well say, Ari, what about you guys when, when Obama was president or any Democrat for that matter and the economy starts failing and don't you kind of start gloating and wringing your hands and saying, Oh, it's going to be just wonderful. Uh, you know, it's going to increase our chances that our guy is going to be president. Aren't you, aren't you just guilty of the same thing? No. The answer is no. 
It's not that we are excited that the economy is doing poorly. The reason why we react is that we say, we told you so. It's because Democrat policies always lead to bad uh, economic results, always. So when, when the economy did tank under Obama or the recovery was so insipid and so anemic during the Obama years, we said, yeah, that's, that's what happens when you pose all these regulations. It's, it's a, you see, we told you so. It's, you know, why should we have to go through this horrible economy that Obama gave us uh, just because you want to have a Democrat in the White House? Why? Um, if you, uh, you know, if that's, that's the way to look at it. And we're not gloating about it. On the contrary, it's, it's <laughs> that's what Democrats do. It's the economy doing what Democrats do to an economy. We're not gloating about it. It's just that's the, that's the essence of Democrat economic policies. And what you're seeing with Trump now is the essence of Republican policies, which is limited government, fewer regulations, and a general get-off-my-back attitude. Well, less taxes, less spending. Right. By the government. Yes. And thus... The private sector is employing people rather than the government sector. And a thing that's left out of all this is part and parcel of the Obama government spending were all these government-sanctioned winners and losers, you know, like the Solyndra yeah. of this world. Yeah. You know, right. uh, companies that were destined to go bust because they had no incentive to do things efficiently or create a product anyone wanted because the government was there to just give it to them. Right. Well, here, here's the other reason. That's a good point, Ari. The, the other reason, I think, why liberals really hate the successful economy that they're seeing right before their eyes is not just the re-election chances are stronger for Trump whenever good news comes out economically. It's a reminder that conservative policies work. Yeah, it's a reminder that liberal policies don't work, uh, and certainly socialism is not going to work. So it just takes them that further away from imposing their socialist agenda. And I really mean it. They they want to oh, impose their socialist yes. agenda. Yes, yeah, so that, that's the essence. What I love about you saying that is now you're sounding like me six years ago. <laughs> well, right? yeah, that's which true. is this idea that socialism slash communism requires it's like summer camp where. If you don't participate in singing on top of Old Smokey, they poo-poo you and go, well, what's wrong? You don't want to participate? Yes, exactly. No, I don't want to participate. I don't want to be at summer camp. I don't want to sing on top of Old Smokey. I don't want to be part of your socialist Elizabeth Warren plan about a plan. Right. Well, right? no, it's, I, and, I, 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 I won't drink the Kool-Aid is maybe a yeah. better uh, expression because the Kool-Aid actually killed people in, in the case of Jim Jones. Whereas the, you know, the, the summer camp example, you know, well, you're being a party pooper and everyone else is having fun. So that, that's a slight nuance there that I want to bring in there. But OK, OK. Summer camp where they're building the golden calf. <laughs> right? uh, OK, that kind of. Yeah. All right. I get uh, you there. But, now, 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 the conservative, th- the, the mindset it, it pulls them away from the socialist agenda. This is what I'm getting at. It's, um, you know, you don't want to be told that your ideas suck. Okay? And, and they do. The Democrat policies suck. And what, for example, let's say, you, you know, somebody, let's say you, you think you don't have an alcohol problem, but you do. Okay? It's clear. And you're learning that you've got to fix your alcohol problem 
Bobby, because I know you don't already have an alcohol problem, but let's say, let's say Bobby has an alcohol problem and he now needs to do the hard work to get out of his alcohol addiction or drug addiction or gambling addiction, whatever, or he's lazy, doesn't have a job, you've got to roll up your sleeves, or your, your hope to be a, a ballerina, it's, it's never going to happen. Your hope to be a great rocker is never going to happen. Get out of your immature brain and start doing some work. People don't want to hear that. They want to hear that what they are pursuing is a valid and laudable and wonderful thing to pursue. And you go on with uh, your dreams, Bobby. Uh, pursue your rock musician dream. Uh, and, and you don't have an alcohol problem. You don't have a drug problem. You're okay. That's what they want to hear. And every time a new report comes out, such as this, the economic reports, the economy is doing well, uh, the black uh, approval rate of Donald Trump is now at 34%, where Oops. it used to be traditionally 5 to 8% on a good day. Uh, that's, you know, a, that, that's a big oops. I know, I know. That's a big, big oops. oops. You know, that just, it, it throws it in their face that everything that they advance uh, is a failure. It's just a constant reminder, like, crap, we got we to gotta do something. We got we to change our party. We got to understand ourselves better. And we don't like to understand ourselves better. So instead, they doubled down like the alcoholic, right? And saying, I don't have a problem. I can quit anytime. And, and not only that, but I, I feel like drinking more because you're depressing me so much. Yeah, and of course, you, and you know this because it's a cliche, I don't have a problem. You have the problem. That's a that's a real yeah right. good point. That's right. They, and yeah. You know how I know you I have to a put problem? you on the because the media told me so. <laughs> that's true. Oh man, it's it's right? really true. That's the media, basically yeah. what we have. Yeah, yeah. They really believe that all the problem is with the Republicans. You know that, and, and so you ask them, you know, how how do you explain this, my, my Bobby, uh, Bobby Democrat? Uh, well, all those jobs are fake jobs or the part-time jobs or jobs that people don't want to have in the first place, or uh, it's all cooked up in the books, or um, it's all doing it at the, at the expense of safety. I just thought of one. For the others. Yeah. Say. Okay. What other? And it's racist because those jobs are really slave jobs. <laughs> exactly. No, right? Yeah. You become a slave to that job that's, that's and then you point. can't quit it. And then you can't leave that job because the health care is inadequate. Right. And then you yeah, ask that's them. That's one of their arguments. And so and the follow-up to Bobby in this case is like, okay, where's your evidence of that? I mean, who, who are these people saying, wow, I, you know, I got a job, but it sucks. Yeah. And you of know, course and, the and, evidence and, is the media told me. Yeah. I said, I, this is but they, no, that, nobody's saying yeah. this. That's the point. And I, I'm... You know, look, it's it's just a lot of fun seeing how the Democrats have to deal with this. Now, how how are they dealing with it? They are pursuing this impeachment process because that that literally is all they have. And yeah. and I said in my Sunday show, and I've said on this podcast, what happened was that the impeachment train, uh, they had to take the impeachment train. That there was nothing else that they could do. So well, they had been promising it since November tenth, two thousand sixteen. Right, and and why? And let's just bottom line this, and we've talked about this before. Why are they impeaching Donald J. Trump? Because they ain't got nothing else. Because he won. Wait, that's why they're impeaching him, and because they promised they'd impeach him. Well, and 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 not only did he win, but he's popular and he's likely to be reelected. You know, as we said, fifty-seven states. Right. Right. So (laughs) that's. In our previous podcast last yeah. week. Yep. Uh, anyway, so right. it's just a shock to the system, and they just can't stand it. 
And so the impeachment train has uh, come and gotten the, the real impeachment train. What they should have done now they're you know slapping their foreheads is that whole thing with Stormy Daniels. That was the perfect one. They should have gone. I mean, I'm saying I'm not saying that they would have you know got gotten him convicted, but hell, that was a lot more salacious. I mean, you'd have a lot more uh, hot chicks, you know, and there hot, were guns, yeah. and there was Michael Avenatti oh, going. Oh, the best. Asta. But yeah, pe- people could resonate to that, uh, you know. But now you're you're having these impeachment hearings. Well, well, I was there and uh, I saw, you know, the, the the president and he was holding the phone to his ear and it was really loud. So he was like he was making a grimacing face, and uh, you know, uh, and, and I think then I heard it from somebody else who said that the that the um, quid pro quo was situation was such, uh, you know, like boring, boring. Right? I mean, the, the two syllables you never want to hear about your book, about your podcast, about your, your radio show, about your TV program, whatever, about your speech, never want to hear those two syllables. And that's what the Democrats are giving. Boring. And they're tuning out that news uh, ratings are horrible. The on news these has even stopped covering it live while the wall. <laughs> the news media yes. got bored with it. I know. <laughs> the Dan- news media. Dancing with the Stars is far more uh, palatable. Yeah. And and I mean, I don't. I'd rather watch another space shuttle launch. You know, it's it's not interesting. At least it was a space shuttle launch. You you had the opportunity to see, you know, the ignition, and the countdown, and that's kind of cool. And then you see it go into space, and then you wonder whether it's going to, you know, arrive in space safely and, and return safely and so like that. There's some action involved there, but otherwise it's totally boring. Okay, same thing. But this is just boring from the get-go. It's like There's watching paint dry. It, it's just terrible. It terif- truly is. It's terrifying. So it's so boring. Jerry Nadler, the <laughs> fell asleep. human That's garden right. gnome, fell asleep in his own hearing. And here's the funny thing: is that during the impeachment process. Uh, you, you know, the, the approval rate of Donald Trump has improved. <laughs> like, guys, this is going in the wrong direction here. I mean, I, I'm not so happy about this. Like, I think we're doing something wrong here. It reminds me of the scene in uh, the movie Roxanne, which is uh, a modern-day version of Cyrano de Bergerac, right? And the Steve Martin character plays the head of the fire station, and he's the Cyrano with the big nose, right? And <laughs> the, the fire station is so incompetent and they trip over each other all the time. And he finally says, guys, I just want to get us to the position where if there is a real fire, that people won't say, for, for God's sakes, whatever you do, don't call the fire department. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I want, right? So that's, that's what the Democrats are doing now. They are that fire department that is like the, you know, the what, what's the Laurel and Hardy or whatever, the Keystone Cops. Keystone Cops Fire Department. Uh, yeah, well. I mean, they, they just, they're so funny. They, they just don't seem to understand that. They're actually pushing people more toward Donald Trump, which I would call irony. Yeah, I mean, if I was an alien, not an illegal alien, but I mean an E.T. alien. I understand. And I had been dropped off here and marooned by my little troop. And I have to wait a week before I can phone home. And I'm just walking around. And because I'm a superior being to these little earthlings, I understand their language just by seeing it. And I'm watching what's going on here. I would actually conclude that Nancy Pelosi and company worked for Donald Trump. <laughs> I mean, 
Well, just by looking at the, at the uh, uh, those, well, What's going on here? She speaks. His number goes up. Oh, she must be on his side. Right? Uh, I, 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 you know, it's like no one is worse for the Democrat Party than the Democrats when they talk. You know, you know I might say, Ari, that, that you look actually befuddled. Befuddled is the word I'd use right now. Yes. Perplexed, even. I, I think that's where we are. Ari has become perplexed. Well, I'm not perplexed. I understand. <laughs> no, it is the party of irony. It's yeah, yeah. Every, everything they do seems to backfire, and it's not just backfired. Actually, it actually uh, the, the the it's it's truly ironic. You right. know, you know when, when a it's car, like God's will. You know, yeah, it's it's the classic line. Um, you know, uh, what is irony, right? Irony. I always use the example of the humanitarian plane that is is supposed to deliver. Uh, medical supplies and food and toys to this small, very poor village in Africa. And uh, unfortunately, the plane crashes right into that village and kills everyone. Okay, that, that's irony. It's a tragic irony, in fact. But the, the, the Democrats have been nothing but ironic in all their policies, and we've talked about this before, that the, when you have minimum wage, uh, it actually backfires and it actually causes helps people. Helps the rich, it has, not help, the poor. It helps the rich. It, it wipes out jobs. Uh, you would think that's not the intent, but there it is. Affirmative action is actually promotes racism, right, uh, and, and so on. The yeah. regulations uh, actually hurt people at right. the end of the day. Uh, for it's, example, the trans <clears throat> movement hurts women and gays. Right. But other than that, it's, it's a great idea. It's supposed to be the next step in the feminist and <laughs> gay movement. It's, it's just... Everything's fun. ironic. And, and one of the reasons I've used the term the last few years, wrongest, is, of course, they're wrong about everything. They're morally wrong. And they're so wrong, they hurt their own cause. I mean, I, it, it kind of goes back to Obama. The Tea Party coalesces in the wake of the Obama spending stimulus and porculus bills. And at that moment, a real leader, and one thing I said about Obama in our early arguments about this, I took the position that what he was doing to hurt the economy was deliberate. You had originally taken the position that, well, he's just incompetent, right? Right. Until you came around when I pointed a statistic out. I said said that not only that he's incompetent, but he's following... Uh, classic Democrat policies, which te- which just don't work. It's not tend don't to work, tend not to work. They never work, and so you know he has good intentions, hoping that these regulatory policies will somehow improve the economy. But you know, watch out, they never work, and sure enough, they don't work. But I, I became convinced later on that it was truly intentional because everything they that he did backfired. I mean, you would think that at least once in a while he would do something right. Now before. Before you jump in, not you, but the listener jumps in, and um, they'll say, what about GM and bin Laden? Because there's that bumper sticker, after all. Uh, bin Laden was killed. Oh, okay. So, so what, what is Ari drinking? Is it a beer? La Croix. Is it La Croix? Oh, French. that's oh, it's French. That's water. what he's saying. It's La Croix. He's, he's proclaiming that it's seltzer water, but okay, it's not it's really. it's a Bud Light. Yeah, listen. What's you, wrong? You've I was, got, I'm, you've dri- got, I'm driving a car. You've got an alcohol problem. Uh-huh. You've got an alcohol and, and I want you to confront this. Finally. I am, and I asked you if you wanted a beer too, and you said no. That's right. Go to work. <laughs> okay, he's not drinking beer. Yeah, he like, is drinking like what? I'm a consultant. Do you go to work? Who's, who's the dumb one? All right. Here? So moving on to to 
uh, you know, the intentionality and everything else. But I don't want to drill down too much on that, Ari. I, point- I'm not either. It's just I'm, I'm talking about where the term wrongest came from and how it applies to the party of Ernie today. And our listeners who are fans of this have gone through this, this journey. This evolution, us. yeah. So, look. so it came from the idea that they are so wrong and so intransigent in their wrongness that they're more than willing to be self-destructive to their own agenda and ends and and good lives, and they become even more hateful, more desperate, and they double down on it again and again and again. Okay, so let me make it easier for you. It annihilates them politically. I'll make it easier for you. Uh, We spoke, I think, maybe two weeks ago on one of our podcasts about how foundationally if you do not take care of the foundation of a building, the building eventually you, you you'll have to just spend God's uh, you know God's treasure on uh, trying to fix it. So you buy a, a building, let's say a commercial building, uh, and this happened in San Francisco, by the way. They call it the Leaning Tower of San Francisco. Uh, you buy it for ten million dollars, and now you know you constantly are doing repairs you're going to be spending a hundred million dollars to make sure why because the foundation is literally one inch off oops right and you know what are you going to do with that it's it's a massive liability it's a massive uh, safety issue um it's a it's a legal case at the end of the day for not representing it correctly is that why you're drooling and salivating <laughs> very funny <laughs> Uh, no, but it, but if it's not disclosed, yeah, I would yeah. be salivating because that's a big non-disclosure. Now, if if, they, if the original owner didn't know about it, well, then you you know tough luck. Um, then there's a due diligence issue. But I, I don't care about that right now. I'm I'm simply saying that if you do not fix the foundation of a building, or, or rather, if you do not properly uh, handle and construct the foundation of a building, you will have long-term effects later on, right? And we talked about how. The foundation of the Democrat Party uh, is so faulty, right? It's not built on anything rock solid. And they're trying to morph into something that is wondrous and uh, compassionate and sensible and progressive and has all the right ideas, uh, taking care of the poor and open borders and so on like that. It's, it's everything and anybody uh, at any time. To anyone who wants to look at it the way that he or she wants to look right. at it. Right. Okay. Marriage equality, bathroom justice, Fluid, menstrual yeah. justice, yeah. fluid justice. <laughs> right. You know. Everything is justice. Yeah. Okay. Climate justice. Right. So it's everything and anything uh, to anybody. Okay. But really, really, Ari, it's the party of slavery. The foundation of the Democrat Party was slavery, right? It was the slavery party. So Do what you can. That's, I'm getting there. Do what you can to make sure this is the original foundation of, of the Democrat Party. We, they love slavery. They've got to keep slavery as, as it is. You know, blacks and whites need, need to be separated. Uh, you know, they're not human and so forth. And everything about the Democrat Party, the, the very foundation of it, one of the core foundations of the Democrat Party was slavery. The problem for them now is that they're now living with this building, and it's teetering, right? You like my analogy? And they have to keep on fixing it at the, on the periphery, at the margin, and it's costing them a lot of money. In terms of votes, in terms of trying to figure out how to define themselves, it's very hard for them. But that, that is a very important 
element to remember. You can't just overnight say, well, we're a completely different party. If, if, you know, if, if you want to make a different party, make a different party. Don't call it the Democrat Party. Call it the liberalism party. I, I don't care. But it, you, you're, you're basing yourself on a foundation of lies and slavery, a lack of freedom. And so we get to point, we Republicans, Republicans get to say, uh, what about this Robert Byrd character? What about, you know, your uh, Andrew Jackson character? What, I mean, all these different uh, characters who are horrific. Uh, George Wallace, for example, more yeah, recently. John C. Calhoun, you know, Huey Long. Uh, yeah. Uh, all, uh, what's the guy? Uh, all the um, Chicago monsters. Yeah. Right. The the, these from, are all Democrats. The guy from Alabama, the governor from the Leonard Skinner song, uh, George Wallace. Yes. Yes. Well, yeah, I said George Wallace already. Uh, keep up and listen. Yeah, up. Okay, all right, okay, cool. Uh, anyway, so the, the point is that you can't just ignore these things. I mean, they want to ignore that, and then they say, well, the Demo- their, their best answer is, well, the Democrats and the Republicans flipped, like as if they got together in some sort of conference room and said, listen, you guys want to be us and we'll be you? Okay, cool, let's shake hands on that, right? Yeah, like, switch sides, blue for red, yeah, it's like, a, the flag. it's like a Chinese fire drill or something, yeah. right? So, sorry about that cultural appropriation, by the way. You know, it's a part of the cultural appropriation, too. Anyway, the point is that they, they do this. I mean, it's like, where was this meeting? Where was this decision made? Like, yeah, we like, we, we like to be the party of racism all of a sudden. Where, where did that happen? How? But you can't, you can't point to that. On the contrary, we, you can see how we just don't give a crap about color or religion or anything. We care about values a tremendous amount. We are very values-centric. Yeah, when did we become the party of eugenics, the sanitarium, uh, or fascism, or communism, or socialism? communism, anything other than free markets. Yes, there are elements of the establishment wing of our party that are unfortunately globalistic. You know, the Jeb Bushes, etc. Right. And Trump is a powerful reaction to that. Right. But that never was... Slavery in, in and and eugenics and um, genocide in and of itself. No, absolutely not. It was and just sort of corporate not. greed. Well, it's not even corporate greed. It's it's just it's completely different animal altogether. But well, it has, the, well, has nothing globalism. to do. It has nothing to do with racism or anything else like that. That's my point. Well, yes. Okay, so yeah. now, now, here's the thing. I said to you before that oh gosh, you got to deal deal with the, uh, the the Andrew Jacksons and the George Wallaces and all those other names. And, uh, and they could say, listen, that's in the past. We're no longer that party. Forget about the flipping of the parties. Uh, we're just not that party, and we have a completely different message. Look at us. Look how great we are. We're the party of open borders. We are the party of affirmative action, helping out people and everything else. So they can say that. That's what they'll say. And I'll, I'll wag my finger, and I'll say, uh-uh-uh, not so fast, my friend. You're still the party of slavery. Your foundation not only led to a tilt in the structure, but you actually intended it as a slavery building. Your foundation is actually very well poured. You just don't like where it's gone. Yeah, you don't like that you constantly have to redefine it with new words to cover up what it is that you do like. A perfect example is this week. They're now the party of slavery through linguistic doublespeak. Oh, Perfect. I'm getting there. I'm yeah. getting there. Oh, okay. Uh, okay cause, and I'm glad you're getting there, but but uh, it's still the party of slavery. Well, and, yeah. that, and that's why, yeah. wait, that's why I call this podcast still the party, the party of, of slavery. slavery. 
and it is still the party of slavery. How can we say such a thing, right? We just did. <laughs> we just did. No, you've heard me say many times before, Ari, that uh, Democrats, uh, liberals, lefties especially, they hate democracy. Let me repeat that. Democrats and leftists in particular hate democracy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. How can you say that, Barack? I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. No, you, you actually hate it, my friends. First of all, look at, you hate American democracy in particular because of the Electoral College. They all hate that. I mean, the Electoral College is so decidedly American. It is so emblematic of American democracy. Yeah, for one so thing. totally unique. Right. You know? But you can say, all right, well, but they still believe in populism. They still believe in the popular vote, so therefore they still believe in democracy. Okay, fine. But they don't believe in democracy. And I'll tell you why. Because everything that they want to advance whether it's universal health care or universal Medicare or... Climate um, justice through the Green New Deal. Right, 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 and, and uh, bullet trains and everything else like that. Everything they believe in requires that everyone is on board and that no one trips them up. Okay, because what happens, let's say Ocasio-Cortez uh, somehow gets enough galvanizing power in the Congress and, they, they, you know, she, they get this Green New Deal... And they say, let's get rid of airports, let's get rid of cow farts, yeah, let's, let's get rid of ban gasoline. All those yeah. things, okay? And they have their, you know, not dry dream, shall we say, okay? Uh, when it comes to what the Green Deal looks like. And then the Senate, you know, it's somehow populated by Democrats now, like uh, 80 to 20. And they pass the bill. And because there's, a, there's a, a Democrat president now, they pass the bill. Okay. Now they have this infrastructure where there's bullet trains everywhere, it's all electric, uh, there's wind power everywhere, they ban gasoline, like you said, there's no air, airplanes, everything. No yeah, and, and, and now the $40 trillion budget is approved, everyone's happy, and then the next election comes along, and people say, this sucks. You know, I want to reverse that. Yeah, I want my car. I want to be able to travel across the country in a few hours right. rather than a few days to see my dying mother. Right. So you see how that doesn't jibe very well with the socialist agenda? Yes. Because when you have these big ideas, these big, huge ideas that totally invert the structure of the economy to say nothing of the political system, uh, when you ban the Electoral College and stuff like that, uh, then it's very jarring to have a new election that might alter that. That's the biggest threat you have. That's why they don't like democracy. What they want is to impose the Green New Deal or whatever it might be, whatever liberal agenda it is, leftists in particular, and then have you just have to deal with it and you can't undo it. Right. Charles Krauthammer was famous for saying about tyranny that it comes disguised as democracy. And what they are totally for is one man vote vote. But then the third element is the kicker, one time. One time, yeah. They want exactly one election. Right. That's right. Then they want the one election that they win, and then from then on, no more elections. Right. To understand? You told us can, that's, that's what you wanted. Right. That's yeah, right. Look what's happened in Venezuela. Yeah. With, good, example. With Chavez, good example. They, they right? voted in people, or Hitler for that matter. Yeah, or really. Hitler. They voted him in once, and then they changed the structure of the elections so that he can't be undone. 
Right. And that uh, California is a perfect example. They elect these people. Now they do ballot harvesting to guarantee that they can't be undone. Right. And, and that's that's another proof of my argument that they, they hate, hate democracy, democracy because if they really love democracy, they would let, let democracy thrive. Right. Right. The ballot harvesting is a rejection of democracy, isn't it? That's Cheating right. in any form, but, but yeah, ballot but harvesting, she- making it legal to, to do all this, uh, that that is clearly a, a spit in the face of democracy. Right, and they're doing it while they're in power to ensure they always have power, right. which is tyranny. And another proof that they don't like democracy, the election of Donald J. Trump. If they like democracy, their attitude instead of impeach the MMFR would have been, okay, he got elected. We would prefer you vote for us, but we will work with him as best we can so we can participate in the American experiment while he's president to make sure the the lives of the American people are as good as possible. And at the end of his term and then uh, when there's an election, we will make our best argument and point to how well we worked with the man. That's right. And try to convince his voters to give us a chance. and, And you don't know how right you are because that happened exactly when Clinton was president, Bill Clinton, and we Republicans had to work with them, uh, particularly um, what's his, Newt Gingrich, who did a fantastic job. And they pushed welfare reform at his resistance, but he worked with them and, and they worked with him. They didn't say, you know, let's destroy this man. They did have an impeachment, but toward the end of the process yeah, and I for good cause. But I want to get into that. Yeah. Uh, the, the point is that we worked exactly with him. Exactly, like you're describing. Right. And at the end, and, of, and, and the end of the day, that then Clinton, Bill Clinton, started declaring how great his presidency was, but not, of course, the reason why is because he adopted conservative agendas. That's the reason why, and he boasted uh, that his greatest achievement was welfare reform, which was pushed and forced on him. Now, to his credit, he got in front of the parade. He got in front of the parade, and took credit for it all once that it passed. You know, which was brilliant as a political move. I'll give him that. But make no mistake, that this it was truly a conservative uh, right. mission. And the and the the point I want to make that I think is the real proof of all this was then the 2000 election, in which the people it doesn't matter by how what margin. But the, the margin was legitimate, and the Electoral College decided to vote for the guy who would continue conservative policies, not liberal policies, after Clinton. Right. They didn't vote to put in Al Gore. Enough Democrat voters voted Nader because they didn't want Gore. Right. And it gave Bush the, the victory in 2000. But the end result is from the Electoral College, uh, constitutional representative republic, and democratic process perspective, the voters rewarded the party that compromised and worked with the leader. Right. They worked well with them. That's right. To continue the policies they liked. The the gigantic mistake that Hillary Clinton and the Democrat Party made the day after the 2016 election was not uh, an honest soul search of saying, my God, something didn't appeal to the voters. He did. Let's find out what he did that appealed no, they're to not them interested and try in to come. But yeah. you're right. Because they're the party of slavery and because it's built on a rotten foundation that they will not reject because they like it. Right. They just play linguistic tricks. And that should be your on-ramp into that. <laughs> That's to right. cover up for the rotten – that they like the rotten foundation. Well, exactly right. So, so you know, I, I almost think that my analogy of the San Francisco building uh, or Leaning Tower Pisa for that matter – 
that it's a faulty foundation is is wrong. I think that their foundation was exactly what they wanted it to be, which is a party of slavery. And they built it up from there. But now just the building is horrendously ugly. It's, it's, uh, it's got a, her- a horrible history, but they're stuck with it. It's yeah, and just, everyone who goes in gets killed. Yeah, you know? it's, it, they got to get rid of this building. And it, the foundation itself is, is exactly what they wanted it to be, which is slavery. It wasn't one off. It was the, the foundation of slavery. No, that's why. And, they- and, and then, and then today, there's still the power, uh, still the, the party of slavery. And here's why. Socialism has nothing to do with freedom. Socialism, there's no such thing as democrat, democratic democrat socialism, socialism as, right. as they like. To, it's just it's inconsistency in terms. Socialism, by definition, is not free. It is a dictatorship, by definition. Yeah, it's monarchy with serfdom. That's the right. end result right. of it. The fact that there are some countries that call themselves socialist and still have democracy within it doesn't mean... That it's uh, that these things work well together. In fact, it's a little bit like saying, "Okay, well, you know, uh, I, I am uh, alive, but I, I take a lot of drugs and I smoke all the time and I drink all the time." Okay, yeah, you can live, but you wouldn't say, "Hey, look, it works. The system yeah. works." Let me let me just alter that analogy a little bit to make it even better. Uh, you know, I smoke heavily. How much? Well, three packs a day. I smoke pot. I drink heavily. I do cocaine. Okay, but you know I work out and I eat right. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you're, 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 by the way, Ari's not saying this about himself. Um, of course, he's talking about a generic person who would say like that. And you're 100 percent right. That is exactly what it is. And and it's it's the same thing as uh, Social Security, right? Yeah. Uh, that like, oh look, it's totally disastrous in every way, but it still exists. Therefore, the system is working, yeah. right? No, inherently socialism. It requires you to give up your freedom, not to embrace your freedom. It is antithetical to, to, to the whole notion of freedom altogether. It, it requires everyone to be on board. In socialism, you have to give up so much of your money. You have to go to the, the here's the free universities that are not really free. Uh, here's the free healthcare, which is not really uh, free. Uh, everything is not really free. And you also have to be on board with their agenda. Right, I mean so, you can't speak out against it. You have to think the right thing. Right. One of the reasons you can't the profit from your own inventions right. or one ideas. Of, one of the reasons the universities are free is because they will indoctrinate you in the socialist dialectics that you must then, even if you don't believe in it, say you believe in it on a daily basis. You must have your enunciation while meetings. giving you the illusion that you are free. Yes. It's it's really so true. Yeah. And, I, I remember in law school, uh, there was one guy who was a big supporter of communism, and he had a lot of uh, gravitas behind it, a lot of emotional support behind it, because one of our professors was also an avowed communist uh, as he was driving in uh, with his Bentley. Anyway, uh, he, he would argue that Freedom is just a different way of – there's a different way of looking at freedom. You think of freedom as what you can say, and, and but the Russians – you know, this is during the Soviet Union times. Uh, it's all about freedom from, from hunger. How about that? Freedom from what? Freedom from poverty. Freedom from sobriety. Yeah. They have all the vodka they want. <laughs> That's true. Right? Uh, freedom from sexual restraint. You know, all the, all the things that they thought – you know, that, that was their version of freedom. But, of course, that's, that's slavery masquerading as freedom. Yeah, freedom from God-centered morality. You know? <laughs> freedom from those <laughs> Ten will. Commandments, by golly. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, freedom to murder. Yes, yes. yes. Three to steal. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you got the idea. So it's, it's always been a party of slavery. 
It's fascinating when you think about it. They don't want you to have democracy. They don't. They 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 utterly have contempt for democracy. Yeah, they use your desire for democracy and your love of it as the weapon against you to acquire power to then deprive you of it. Right, and then they say that in this impeachment process right now, which of course is a hoax and it's a total fraud, they say that and, and the magic words they they throw out all the time. Pelosi says it. I've heard it. This is a, a the greatest threat to our democracy since its founding. Okay, uh, how so, first of all? And secondly, you made this all up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So other than that, uh, I, I'm totally totally on board with you, lady. Yeah, you had no interest in Madison or Locke when we were arguing against Obamacare. Right, exactly. But right. now, yesterday, you're quoting Madison, Franklin, Locke, uh, you know. Lafayette, right. Hamilton, <laughs> Thomas Friedman. She, you, you know, she's singing <clears throat> the lines from um, you know, Rules for a Duel. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six. <laughs> Rules for a Duel. <laughs> See, she saw Hamilton. She knows, right? She knows what's what. Um, I want to throw in one thing though about linguistic tricks. Um, let's just talk about for a second about what is gender affirming. We're men. Men are what we are. How would we affirm your gender, man? Go. I'm a man. Right. And what do men do? Uh, we like women. Right. And you work, you protect women, you earn things, you drink a little beer, you have sex. Right? That's gender affirming. Right. Elizabeth Warren the other day said she supports gender affirming surgery for the transgender leaning people. Think about how... Orwellian doublespeak this is. So, she's literally saying that castrating a male child is gender affirming? <laughs> uh, you understand? The castration of a male is the most undergender, ungender affirming thing one can do to the male body, is right? It, 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 yeah, I, I so, agree. So, this is, an, yeah. this is a, a little example of how they actually speak, how they actually think. So, they're basically saying, it's like Orwell, slavery is freedom, freedom is slavery, love is hate, war is peace. I'll just say, right? I'll just say. Ungood plus plus, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Every, every, in, in, um, in 1984, the book, um, which I, I really loved, of course, and it's, we're, we're all now coming back to that book and really appreciating its incredible insight. Um, but the language was that uh, you could only say certain adjectives revolving around the word good, right? Ungood, good plus, things like that. So you couldn't have any of the nuance. You can't that we're have good about. or bad. That's too confusing. No, no, it, no, so. no that, that too. Right. That too. But you couldn't say words like excellent or effervescent. Yes. You know, ad adjectives would be dumbed down to the point that they only go around the word good. Like that's good plus. That's whatever. So, But, but let me get back to this because it's an interesting point that you raised about the gender affirming thing. Isn't it interesting, Ari, that... Democrats and, in particular, liberals proclaim to be so nuanced and so detail-oriented, and they understand that the world is not black and white, as opposed to you moronic uh, conservatives. Yeah, you Walmart shoppers. Yes, yes. Uh, where we see everything as black and white, supposedly. So this gender-affirming thing, right? So like you said, you, you, you castrate a male, who otherwise born a male, and then you affirm his gender. Now he's a she, and everything's good. And and you know you you should never. It's like Judaism, right? When 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 a convert converts to Judaism, you're not allowed, or you should. It's not considered polite to remind them that they used to be a non-Jew, right? So, but that's what they want now for the genders, which is different. Like once, you know, Bobby becomes Sally. Well, 
you could never mention that Bobby was once a Bobby, right? He was always a Sally. Yeah, it's, you it's don't really weird. name, you don't misgender. You don't dead name, right? Yeah. So, but isn't it interesting? They think that they can castrate and otherwise, you know, uh, give hormones and otherwise, and you know, enlarge boobs, you know, to make a man into a woman. But of course, he's a man on a cellular level. He's still got that damn Y chromosome. You can't change that. Yeah, he still okay? has the bad temper, as demonstrated <laughs> by the dude in the game. He still stop, has the brain. He still has man. the brain of a man. <laughs> right. It doesn't matter how you know whether he is is interested sexually toward other men or other. He still has a male brain, and you don't have to like that. I get it, but he ain't no woman. That's the. Way. And here's the thing: it's it's all about acceptance at the end of the day, yeah. right? Let, let, you ask any group of women, a liberal woman, let's say, just imagine in your head. Ten very leftist-leaning women, okay? They get together every once in a while for a girls' night out, okay? They, they do whatever they do. Either they go bowling. I don't, I don't want to be uh, too um, traditionally sexist or anything else, but maybe they play softball. Maybe they play lacrosse together. Maybe they do knitting. Maybe they do crochet. Maybe they play mahjong, okay? Maybe they go for a book club. Maybe book club, yeah. Circle. Okay, yeah. so now, okay, now Bobby, uh, sorry, Sally, who used to be Bobby, wants in on this group, okay? Tell me something, ladies. Do you accept this man, this formerly man, and as part of your group now, as, as just one of the girls? Yeah. And, and talk about men the same way and, and all the cute things and, and your period and all this stuff, that, t- that time of the month, and, and how you know, Bobby made you feel or whatever it was. Yeah, and go to the bathroom with him in yeah. pairs. Right, here's the answer. Hell no. They have no... They, they, they're so, they so full of garbage. I just don't even, you don't even accept them. You who proclaim to accept them, and he is now she and all that stuff, it's all garbage. But anyway, let's, let's, I, I want to kind of move back to the, the socialism thing because this is actually a good example of how they try to enslave us, right? Right, and that's why well, because linguists I know, I know, I'm getting there. Cover up, I'm getting know, with there. these words. I'm getting there. The point is, they want you to be afraid of what you say. Yes. And it's a form of slavery, isn't it? I mean, the ultimate, when we think of democracy, uh, there's many things that democracy entails, but the first thing everyone races to in their mind is freedom of speech, right? Right. And freedom of religion. But freedom of speech, boom, there it is, right? Which I think is actually related to freedom of religion, but that's another story. Um, And... We just we want to do it without fanfare. We don't want to. We, we don't want to have to worry that everything we say can somehow uh, get us that, beaten up, get us beaten up, yeah. or arrested, or fined. Um, but you know, certainly, if you're arrested for saying something, let's say anti-gay or anti-transgender, okay. So, you know, it may be uncouth, it may be impolite, whatever it is. But you certainly don't expect to be arrested. Okay, right. good for today. You're not going to be arrested for calling a, a man. Uh, Caitlin Bruce. Whatever, right. Now, that's, again, good for today. Uh, And if they did pass a law for that, that would be considered unconstitutional. Okay. Uh, Again, good for today. Who knows what tomorrow will hold. But then they they get you to second-guess yourself anyway. Because if you do say the wrong thing, you could be fired from your job. Kicked off Facebook, like Kicked off Facebook. Yeah, I've I've been throttled myself in uh, Twitter and Facebook as well. And... You begin to find yourself being really careful with your words. Every time I make a speech now, I do a lot of speeches. I have to be very careful with what I say. 
every time uh, Trump, you know, says something, it doesn't matter what he says. It could be perfect, uh, but they they'll twist it to say that he's something. Yeah, exactly time, the opposite. Uh, Hold on. Yes. And 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 even the liberals themselves get throttled uh, because they end up saying something. Something else comes up from their past, which now they have to account for. You know, the what's the expression? A blackface joke or something. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Revolutions either young, as they say, and it's a weird dynamic. And you, we end up enslaving ourselves. Yeah, I, I want to make a point about that that I've never made before. Tom Sowell talks about in the book a conflict of visions, the difference between the constrained and the unconstrained vision of how we conduct ourselves in, hum, in existence, in, in our societal life. And you'll see where this goes in a second. The, the background on it is that those who believe in the constrained vision of life self-regulate our own behavior within moral constructs which then allows for greater freedom for everyone else because we will, by our moral center and our scripture, not murder, not steal, not abuse. Yeah, and not the, gossip. And not gossip, yeah. et cetera. Mm -hmm. Those who live the unconstrained life, you've pointed this out in Atheism Kills, sometimes fall ass backwards into constrained behaviors by saying, well, I'm a spiritualist. You know, They might feel the spark of divinity within them and sort of not know what it is, but gravitate to it. But it opens us up for a lot of danger because what about all those people who don't? And they have the, you've said it all the time, the anything goes attitude. The Your book, The Rise of the Sex Machine, gets into all that, right? right. So in your two books, it's funny how you copied, if you will, the idea or found a great new lines of argument of soul's hypothesis with two different books about these two different visions in two different areas of life that you centered on atheism and you know the the proclivities of sexual evolution into the future um now the the thing is that um as people live a greater and greater unconstrained life you know they they find themselves into you know um What's in effect happened here is by people second-guessing their language, they live a version of the constrained vision that Sol talked about, but not rooted in any morality. It's in a self-censorship and from the point of, of fear, not necessarily from Mao's barrel of the gun, but from the fear of, am I going to be kicked off social media? Will I lose my job? Will I lose my friends? Will I lose my social standing? Will I not be able to get my kids into school when we apply? Uh, a terrifying thing for me, I, I have a whole Twitter background. Okay. What happens when my kids get to school? Will I have to pay for it? You know, through, will yeah, they I have to it. pay for my sins? I get it. I, but the point, is, the point is that we are, not, not you and I, but we are regulating ourselves language-wise, and we're, we're living in, in a Orwellian world that we've self-imposed. You know, it's like the Radiohead song. Uh, you know, we, you do it to yourself, you and no one else. And I, I love that song because it, really is, it rings true. I don't think they meant it the way that I'm now presenting it, but ironically, there it is again, uh, a very leftist group, Radiohead, would uh, end up, ends up espousing conservative values. And, and we really do it to ourselves. I mean, it's like I said in my book, Rise of the Sex Machines. Um, if, the, if the Terminators of the future, and I, I even say this in my book, um, Rise of the Sex Machines, that if it really were like a Terminator world it, where you see in Terminator Salvation, where the Terminator robots are enslaving the people and they're you know, killing them, 
and otherwise just tormenting their lives, um, you know, for mass extinction. You know, if they really, why all this fuss? Why all this energy? If the if the robots really got it smart, they would have just unleashed a bunch of sex robots <laughs> to the community, and we would do it to ourselves. We would breed ourselves out of existence, as it were. Yeah, through a Norwellian term, right. non-breeding. Right, non-breeding. And, but that's another story, but also related. The fact is, we are doing it to ourselves with all this self-imposed regulation in our speech. We're walking around in fear. That's slavery, my, fear, yeah. my friend. You, you cannot have uh, freedom when you're constantly afraid. Yeah, and if you're afraid of being arrested, of course, that's one thing. But if you're afraid of being fired, if you're afraid of being doxxed, yeah, if you're afraid of being humiliated, yeah. if you're afraid of, uh, of, of people, you know, uh, you know, trashing your house uh, day in, day out, or to somehow follow your kids from school because of what you said about transgendered or whatever, you are not living in freedom. And the, the left is okay with that. They don't mind that whatsoever. All you have to do is just jump on the, the language train and you'll be okay. Yeah, just yeah. do what we say and believe what we believe and you're totally safe. Yeah, okay? for now. For now. Until, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Until we, good, point. yeah. good point. And you talked about what does democracy look like? The, the, the stereotypical images I have is this, this shrieking shrew of going, I will fight what you say, but I will die for your right to say it. You know, that right. one. Yeah, exactly. Or, of course... Roman or Greek democracy, where two senators are arguing vociferously, but they don't come to blows because they have engaged in reason and argument is what's the valuable, the valued... Um, uh, well, you I hear the say, arguments the, and then you vote on right, it. That's but, the, that's but the point. Saying, but, but they the don't idea, like that. They don't, they don't want to hear yeah, the they arguments. they don't want it. They, 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 they don't want to hear the arguments because, God forbid, you might actually be persuasive with your argument, Right. <laughs> And, and that's what's happening like now. And that's how, that's how we're start, we started off with, you know, the 266,000 new jobs. That is, in essence, an argument. It's a proof of an argument, right? Listen, uh, fewer regulations work. Limited government works. Uh, you know, freedom of enterprise works, right? Democracy itself works. And they don't like that. It's, it's a persuasive argument. So what you're seeing Pelosi doing and the Democrats doing is, you know, they have to ignore these things. They just they quickly make big decisions. For example, what happened with the impeachment hearings, when suddenly the ratings are going terribly down and Trump's ratings go way up, you know the, the first thing they do is okay we want to accelerate this impeachment process because you know they want they want to turn the news cycle right to where they want it to go. They want you to ignore and not listen to the arguments. Okay, we're voting now. <laughs> exactly right. But we're still arguing. But no, we're, we're voting now. <laughs> exactly right. And in the news media <clears throat> today, Nancy Pelosi announced they're voting. We'll wait for the vote. Yeah, in ten. You are being played, and you're and the American populace, they know that they're being played. That's the thing. First of all, they're bored because the impeachments uh, hearings are boring, as we said, and then they know they're being played at the same time. And no, they're not fooling anybody. Yeah, and that's that's the good news about it all. Look, this this party has always been the party of slavery, and it always will be the party of slavery. It is a foundation that is hideous to look at. And they want to dress it up every way they can. They want to make this ugly, horrific monster. They want to somehow dress it up to make it look like a beautiful young lady. And they, they, you just can't. There's only so much you can do with this, this monster. And I would say a pig, but it ain't a pig. 
pigs are far prettier than the monster of the foundation of the Democrat Party and what it continues to be. It is still the party of slavery. I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you next week.